I feel like the irony there, though, is that at the same time that we have these this kind of cultural script about your partner's partner being someone you don't like, um, that at the same time we have this image of sort of the kitchen table poly where you and all of your partners and your partner's partners all get along and everyone's great. And we hear those stories and I think sometimes can feel very guilty or feel very bad if that's not the experience we're having. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about what to do about metamor problems. Sometimes you love them, sometimes they're your least favorite person in the world. But if you are polyamorous, you need to at least learn to live with metamors. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be giving you tips and tricks for dealing with metamors you don't like, dealing with metamors who don't like you, and how to talk to your partners when you're the one stuck in the middle between some metamors who don't get along. Mm-hmm. So a lot of good stuff in yeah. this. This topic comes up so often. Yeah, we've all been we've all been there in various capacities and playing various roles in all these various dynamics between metamors. And something that you pointed out, Dedeker, when we were like doing the research for this episode, you were feverishly looking <laughs> through our episode saying, like, well, we must have done this like a year ago or a couple months ago, and we totally haven't. Like, I guess to some degree we're like We've talked about it, but not fully done an episode on this, even though it is kind of a fundamental. Yeah, we've touched upon the subject definitely many, many times over the course of Mm -hmm. many episodes. I think the last time we actually did an episode fully dedicated to this was episode 55, which is many, many moons ago. We were so young and innocent back then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We've had a lot more practice at this particular issue as well now. What, disliking metamors or, <laughs> or having metamors dislike you or sure or being in the middle of it but yes. also a lot of practice at good metamor relationships mm-hmm. and that is also true having your partners get along and it also like i think we've all had a lot of practice at things also feeling good as well that gives a good contrast to when things are not feeling so good between metamors and partners yeah absolutely and, and this is if this is something that you have struggled with um this is something that comes up a ton in the patreon group yeah um this is a, a subject that comes up a lot and it's not always just like i don't like them it there's always nuance to it there's often subtlety to it um but it is a real issue but the thing i think that's really interesting about it and, and i find this more and more with a lot of things within polyamory and non-monogamy is that we end up with these sorts of relationships in these situations that seem very unique, right? Mm-hmm. Like the idea of a metamor. For most people, they're like, that's a super unique thing. Like that doesn't really exist anywhere else. And so it's kind of hard to find resources or it's hard to get a good perspective on how do I think about this. But then when you start to really look at it, we actually do have relationships very similar to this. Mm-hmm. There's just, it, it's like they're unique and they're also not. And so mm-hmm. what I mean by that with metamors is we essentially experience the same thing with our partner's best friends um, or, or with family or with our partner's family. Right. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I think a lot of this 
can can pertain to that as well for sure yeah and so if there is something where you're kind of looking for perspective or or other advice on this um that's actually a great place to look is kind of um because that experience is not new right that's not a unique experience of like having a friend who doesn't get along with me or you know my partner's friend doesn't get along with me or i don't like them or having trouble getting along with a partner's family or something like that so it is this really interesting thing where it's like unique and it's also not unique at the same time this Mm. metamor relationship yeah because we do have such a long precedence of like when you get into a relationship with somebody or when you marry somebody or whatever, like you inherit all that person's relationships as well. Their existing relationships as Mm -hmm. well as any new relationships, like you're still connected to them. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's definitely a big backlog of advice out there for handling that kind of thing, because it's not always like a smooth transition. You know, you don't always like everyone who is in your partner's life before you, and you don't always like everyone uh, who enters your partner's life after your relationship started. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily like an impossible situation to work through. I think it's just that with the metamor thing, we already come to it with these really negative cultural scripts around what that yeah. relationship should be. Mm. You know, we already come with these very negative scripts preloaded of this idea of like, this is definitely going to be a competitive relationship or a mm. resentful relationship, or there's no way that the two of you are on the same team. Like you have to be enemies. You have to be competing for your partner's time or something like that. And so I think because we kind of come preloaded with a lot of those notions and seeing that played out over and over again, like in our movies and TV shows and stuff like that, that that's why it can be so easy for like, Oh, if someone dislikes me or if I dislike them, that it goes down the slippery slope of like, all the bad stuff like the competition and this extreme negativity that maybe it wouldn't with like a family relationship but but i guess it's kind of like what you're saying jace there's like it's like a venn diagram (laughs) in my mind of like Uh the ways that it is unique and the ways that is it's really actually quite similar to other relationships i feel like the irony there though is that at the same time that we have these this kind of cultural script about your partner's partner being someone you don't like um that at the same time we have this image of sort of the kitchen table poly where you and all of your partners and your partner's partners all get along and everyone's great. And we hear those stories and I think sometimes can feel very guilty or feel very bad if that's not the experience we're having. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Whereas on the other hand, it's like a stereotype that, you know, your partner's, you know, that your mother-in-law doesn't like you or something, mm. right? That that's such a stereotype that if that is your experience, you're like, well, that's, that's normal. That's life. That's so, mother-in-law's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But what we're trying to say is that this episode will have something for everyone, regardless of whether you're in a relationship with multiple Mm -hmm. metamors or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, This can still pertain to other aspects of your life for sure. So let's get into it. Yeah, let's do Um, it. We are going to have three separate scenarios that probably at one point or another, all of you out there may have been in. Um, And the first scenario is going to be the one in which you do not like your metamor or your partner's friend, or your partner's mother, or whatever. So this first scenario um, is, yeah, definitely one that I've probably been in before. Oh, I mean, I've definitely been in. Yeah, it's a challenging one, absolutely. Um, but it's a good one that if you find yourself in, you should probably ask yourself some questions. And the first of those questions will be, do I not like this person because I feel like they're smarter, they're funnier, they're prettier, they're sexier, or they're somehow better than me. Mm. Um, 
And again, like all of these, these questions that we're going to ask ourselves in these scenarios are going to be ones that are really good to try to figure out because often like you're going to be bringing your own personal biases into this relationship with your metamor. And so it's a good chance for you to check out like, am I actually just having some personal insecurities here? Mm. Or is do I really find something fundamentally off about my partner's metamor? Or well, my metamor, my partner's partner. Well, that is the kind of thing, like Jace was saying, that on the other side of things that we can see these idyllic kitchen table poly situations where like no one's feeling jealous and no one's feeling secure and it all feels great. And then that can engender this sense of like, if I do feel insecure, I can't be open about that or I can't acknowledge mm-hmm. that, mm. you know, because it's like, because that's like, you know, that's newbie stuff. Like, I'm not supposed <laughs> to feel insecure. I'm not supposed to you know, be comparing myself to this person. And so I've definitely found for myself, like it can get to this, like, like I can really cognitively shove that part down, like, Mm -hmm. and just not even acknowledge that what's going on is like, Oh, I do feel like this person is better than me in some way. Um, But like, I don't even let myself entertain that thought. Cause I'm like, Oh, well, I mean, I'm way too much of an evolved poly person to do that. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You know, I would um, never, never think that. Right. Exactly. And and it doesn't mean that, I think that if you ask yourself this question and if you do realize, yeah, like I do think that they're smarter or they make a lot more money and like that does make me feel weird. It doesn't mean that that's the only thing going on. Like, like I don't think it's because I think I've seen some people, um, their dislike of their metamor or the issue they have with their metamor may be something that is more complex than just I feel insecure around them but maybe that's wrapped up in it, but it's very easy for it to be just kind of dismissed of like, oh, well, this is just you being jealous or this is just you mm-hmm. feeling insecure. Um, so I think that's the important thing. In asking that question, it's not meant to just disregard any other like weird feelings you may have about your metamor, but understanding that that may be part of what's fueling it. Yeah, it's. I agree with you, Dedeker, but it still is a good opportunity in which to potentially check yourself oh, yeah. and say like, hey, like, okay, are my feelings valid or are they actually just wrapped up in my own personal biases and insecurities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there's that theory floating around and this is this is a theory that's floating around like outside of, you know, the polyamory non-monogamy sphere, but this idea that like if you meet someone and you don't like them, it's because they reflect back to you some qualities of yourself that you don't like. Mm-hmm. And I thought yeah. about that. I don't know if it that's always holds up. I'm not sure. I think it does probably yeah. hold up in some scenarios, but I don't think it's necessarily a blanket statement. Um Sure. But related to that, another question to ask yourself is, you know, is my dislike of this person based in the fact that they remind me of someone from my past that I don't like? I think that's a pretty common thing that happens. Like, is there something about the tone of their voice or about the way that they speak or the things that they're interested in or the way that they style themselves that I'm just like, ugh, like I had an experience with someone like that once that left a bad taste in my mouth. And so now I'm kind of automatically projecting that onto this person. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Now that's that's interesting to think about that too of like or does this person remind me of some aspect of myself that I that I don't like. And I think that's something actually we're going to get into more later is this mm-hmm. idea of projecting your own thoughts or feelings onto this person, mm-hmm. either your own ones that you do and that you have or your own ones that you've internalized about the way that all men are or all oh, women are or yeah. something like that. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like there's uh, kind of levels to this. I hope we'll, hope we'll sure. get into that a little bit more later. Um, the, the next one kind of related to that is, do I feel like this partner is too different from me? 
it, mm-hmm. you know, does that mean that, oh, if my partner's into this, how could they also be into me? Oh, I've definitely yeah. felt that one. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the too similar or too different can both evoke yeah. that, that same feeling of like, they're going to replace me or like, wait, how could they be into me if they're also into this person who looks totally different than me or is into totally different things or, you know, has a, a totally different like sense of humor than I do or right? Like all sorts of things like that. Right. Right. I think it's a really good opportunity to remind yourself that like polyamory allows you to explore so many different facets of who you are and that, you know, for your partner, they may be really interested in something or find something very attractive in something in someone else that is is a quality that you don't have at all. And that's completely understandable because it reflects like this impressive, new, exciting part of them. And Mm. that really has nothing to do with you. And I think in the moment that can be really difficult to understand and to allow maybe and, and say like, okay, this is, this is all right. It's challenging and it might hurt, but, but I think it's great that they get this, this side of themselves filled uh, from this other person. So yeah, I think, I think that's challenging, but but it can be the case and something to think about there. Yeah. I feel like that with this one, I've found for myself personally that I've definitely had sort of a lot more peace in my life. The more Mm -hmm. I've been able to accept that other people can be better than me at things Mm. and just like, let them have that. And what I mean is like, rather than feeling like, Oh, well they, they are good at this thing that I've never really had that much of an interest in or spent that much time on. But like, uh, now I've got to be focused on that or I've got to try to be mm. better at that and compete in like every arena, essentially. Interesting. And, yeah, I, yeah. and I've definitely found, and I, I, I've even done this in the past with my partners themselves. Like you're dating someone and they're yeah, into yeah. something or good at something. It's like, well, I've, I've got to be just mm, as good definitely. at that thing or better at that thing. Right. Like, um, I'm never going to be as good at languages as the two of you are, <laughs> but that's okay. Like. Yeah, well, I'm never going to be as good at like, karaoke and Mario Kart as Emily <laughs> well, is. I don't know. Thanks. <laughs> but you're but, quite you you hold your own for sure. In which part? In Mario Kart? Yeah. I knew she was talking <laughs> what about was Mario the other Kart. One? Yeah. Karaoke. What was the other one that you said? Karaoke. Oh, karaoke. Yeah. Oh, no, you still do. Come I on. mean, I can hold a solid sixth place in both <laughs> arenas, I believe. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> wow. Oh, gosh. Um, but but yeah, anyway, I guess that, that, that um, kind of letting go. Like, for example, right now I have a metamor who even works in the same industry that I do. And mm-hmm. that could be very easy to fall into this competitive thing of like, oh, he's worked on a bigger film than I have. Or, right, he, he works in 3D and I don't as much. Or, right, something like that. And I've just found my life is a lot happier by not worrying about that and being like, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Like, I get to be excited about the fact that that he does these things and that he works on these big movies and I don't have to put in the hours involved in working on those movies <laughs> <That's great. laughs> or whatever yeah. it is. Right. Yeah. Like just kind of letting him have his things, even if they're similar to mine mm. um, has definitely yeah. been helpful for me. So I'm going to switch the angle of these questions, this questioning a little bit. Um, you can also ask yourself, does this person have a reputation for treating others badly? Um, and this is definitely one to kind of take with a grain of salt. I think, on the positive side, like if you're active in a community of people who are polyfriendly or, or polyamorous or whatever, you know, they can definitely act as a dating pool. 
And kind of the both good and bad thing about communities like that is that gossip travels pretty fast often. Mm. And gossip in its nature, sometimes it's accurate, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if someone has a reputation for treating others badly, I think that then you kind of need to get into some sub-questions, some subcategories of question of like, okay, was that something that I heard from someone else? Was that something that I observed? Did I have a personal experience with this person, uh, like witnessing them or or directly experiencing them treating me or someone that I know badly? Um, you know, kind of like, what have I heard and what have I gotten? And is that fueling my dislike of this person? Um, yeah. Because let me tell you, there's definitely people that I've known uh, in like the communities that I consider that I'm connected to where it's like if someone that I knew started dating this person, I would definitely be like, Ugh, I don't know, red flags. Flag. I've yeah. heard some really bad things about this person or, or, or I've seen this person treat other people really badly. Um, and so that would definitely be a part of that exploration process of like, okay, I know for sure that like my reaction to this person is very much fueled by my perception of their reputation. Yeah. And I think it's important in those instances also to like try to figure out what your own opinion of that person is, Mm. like regardless of what other people may think. But maybe in those instances, like go out with this person to coffee or something Mm. and and try to get to know them and try to see like, hey, do I do I agree with that? You know, or can I build a separate um, idea of who I think this person is? I guess this idea of giving this person a chance. I mean, okay, yeah. this feels like such a thing that's like so case specific. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to sure. give it is. broad advice, but it seems like I would think that if it's the kind of thing where you've only heard rumors, maybe, or you just heard mm-hmm. gossip, like maybe trying to give a chance. Like, yeah, I think Emily's suggestion is good as well of like giving yourself a chance to humanize this person and form your own opinion. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah. I think humanizing people in general is a really good Generally. thing to do in a lot yeah. of these instances. Yeah. And we've talked about that before. I mean, I, I think something else that goes along with this is even if even if it's not just gossip, gossip, but say you heard this from a close friend of yours who dated them and they were like, for example, this person was super pushy and like always arguing with me and like pressuring me to do things or or whatever, right? that you might be like, okay, I've heard this from a reliable source. This is not a good person. Therefore, I'm justified in disliking them. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that with someone else, that experience would be the same. Hmm. And we've talked about this in the past in terms of like the different ways that people argue or the different ways that people debate or like make decisions together. And it's largely based on how their family did it when they were younger, kind of what their role models were for that. But that same person with someone else might not come across as pushy, but just like, I'm glad that they stand up for what they want to do too, because so do I. And that's how we mm-hmm. reach a consensus where we both, you know, end up doing what we want because we're both very vocal about what it is we want and we can negotiate that way. Whereas for someone else who's much more accommodating or was raised in a, you know, a culture or, you know, a family culture where you don't do that, you don't like strongly advocate for your needs to them. That's pushy. And they're always feeling like they're being, you know, coerced or pressured into always doing what the other person wants and not them. Right. So, so even that, even if you have heard these things, even that's not a hundred percent like, yes, this person is bad, Hmm. right. That it, that it really does come down to how does my partner feel about it? How do they feel in this relationship? Not how did someone else feel in this relationship with them? Totally. Um, So finally, the last item on this list is, 
Uh, one that often happens, I think, if your partner was dating this person for a while, broke up with them, and then gets back together with them, hmm. and y- they also have a reputation of like maybe treating your partner badly in the past. So ask yourself that. Ask yourself, like, is that a, a thing that's coming up for me right now and I automatically don't like them because I know that they had a messy breakup and they're deciding to get back together for whatever reason, but I still have my biases regarding that last mm. scenario that they were in together. So that's an interesting one for sure. And I would still say, like, your partner is allowed to make their own decisions and they're allowed to, like, you know, choose what mountain to die on if they want to like <laughs> be with this person or not, to use my mother's phrase. But yes, um, I, I think it is important, even though, yeah, you may be like, hey, this this ended really badly last time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you should do this again. They still have to make that decision for themselves at the end of the day. Yeah, that is the tough thing is that like yeah. you can't, like you really can't coerce or force your partner into like, not entering into a relationship with somebody people do it i mean people do it all the time people find all kinds of creative ways to to coerce or manipulate or force their partner to not enter into a relationship but don't do that don't do that (laughs) not a good not a good thing it's not a good regular we're not not advocating for that at all yeah yeah yeah. but i've definitely been there like i've definitely been with partners who like have gotten back together with an ex or have gone to like hook up Mm -hmm. with someone that didn't treat them very well and Mm -hmm. it's really hard to feel like you don't want to be like, you know, you don't want to be like their mom being like, this is going to end badly for you or why are you doing this? Yada, yada, yada. But you also don't want to see them get hurt again. So it's definitely a Mm -hmm. hard place to live. And I think it, yeah, it can manifest as just like a dislike of this person Mm -hmm. that, you know, Mm -hmm. caused some harm to your partner in the past. Yeah. I think something that's going to come up again and again in this discussion is that at the end of the day, you know, you do have to, let your partner make their decisions and trust them to make their decisions. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't trust them to make good decisions, you still kind of have to trust them to make good decisions anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, it, that it is their choice to do that. And so it is, yeah. that is something worth keeping in mind for sure is um, absolutely that you're not their parent, right? It isn't your job to tell them what they can and can't do or who they can and mm-hmm. can't date. And right. that's, I think a lot of people default to that. I think a lot of people get a little parental with their partners sometimes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, Well, we just wanted to thank Paige Turner and their blog, Polyland, for this list because uh, it's a great list. I found it today and loved it so much I had to include it in this um, part of the episode. So thanks again for that because you can go actually to their website and check out, I believe it is the article, Help... I don't like this metamorph that my partner dates. Crap. That's just the URL. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's but like, look it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's poly.land. And it's like, you know, if you yeah. do a search for help, I don't like the person that my partner is dating. Um, yeah. Exactly. And what, yeah. So if you want kind of like a more in depth analysis of each of these questions, and I do appreciate that um, what Paige writes about this list of questions is, is essentially like, if you're able to answer these questions, it doesn't mean that your feelings are invalid immediately. You know, um, like mm-hmm. none of these, I, I feel like none of these are like, oh, okay, you answer this question and that means like your dislike is automatically like absolved or resolved or whatever. Like mm-hmm. this is all just kind of more like really helpful exploratory things to help inform kind of the next step or what conversations you may need to have about this person. Yeah. yeah. So as we move forward with this, so again, in this situation where you 
dislike your metamora, you have some sort of problem with them, that with all of these questions, it's important to look at yourself and ask that question like, is my discomfort coming from me? Is it about them? Is it about thoughts I have about my partner? Or like I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, is it assumptions that I make about what all men or all women or all whomever, you know, all people are like that my partner's dating? Like, mm -hmm. do I assume that all people are manipulative and therefore I'm going to read that into everything my metamors do? Right? Is exploring those, asking those questions like, where is this coming from? What's this really about? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I've definitely found that if you're really struggling with the dislike or if you're really struggling with some of these questions, you really can't quite place your finger on exactly what it is. Um, it's just, it's really easy for it to be a self-perpetuating cycle. It's really easy. Like if you have some kind of dislike for your metamor for some reason, it really doesn't matter what the reason is. It's really easy to then start to read into things too much or, you know, really, uh, <laughs> really come up with some interesting subtext for like otherwise innocuous seeming text messages um, or to like be able to find and see more evidence that your metamor is a bad person, you know, total confirmation bias. And so that's why it can be important to get a third party or get an objective opinion of some kind to talk about what's going on between you and your metamor or like what's going on within you in your dislike of this person. Um, it could be someone like a therapist. It could be a friend who is removed from the situation, doesn't have a stake in the situation, but who you trust to be honest with you. Um, even the patron group, this happens all the time where people will be like, my metamor texted me this and I think that it totally shows that they're, they're you know, being really mean and really nasty and really selfish, but like, what do you all think? And sometimes people mm -hmm. will be like, uh, like, I don't really see that actually when I read that, you know, like, or, oh no, actually, I think that is justified for you to think that. Um, yeah, can definitely be helpful to get right, that you outside can, opinion. Yes, because yeah. like you can, if you've already kind of preformed an opinion about someone, it's very easy for it to just kind of color every other interaction that you have with them. Um, so it's first of all, something important to bear in mind as you interact with this person, but then also good to get another set of eyes on the situation. Because let me tell you, like there've been so many times with, friends actually who have some kind of tiff with somebody where they'll show me a text message in like exchange and be like can you believe that they said this and i read it and i'm like i can't i can't see the part that's like they just like the issue here they just said they're going to be late to like coffee like i'm just like i don't <laughs> understand you know because i'm not in the situation so it's hard for me to understand like what's actually going on um right so that's just another thing shown to you like emails and various things and it's good to get your opinion and be like, hey, and also like show me things that I haven't even thought of before. Uh, so yeah. yeah, that's very nice as well. Yeah. So it is really important in these scenarios, and we're going to talk about this later as well, that you should not be bad mouthing your mm. metamor to your partner. That's very important for a variety of reasons, but it also puts your partner in kind of a shitty situation where you're like, well, I, I, I'm hearing about my loved one in a bad light mm. by my other partner and that blows. And mm -hmm. so you'd be considerate of that and be understanding that like your partner is not going to want to hear that from you, even if you are having a hard time in these scenarios. Yeah. I've made this mistake many times. Oh, oh for really? sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, the last time that I can think of, yeah. like when I was in a period of my life in relationships where I was having like a really hard time with a particular metamor, I did find some solace in being able to vent to other people. Like that's when it's mm. good to, okay. yeah. to especially, but especially also venting 
I mean, I vented to the two of you, but right. I also yeah. vented to people totally removed from the situation, and that was arguably okay. like well, that's the best feeling. Yeah. Venting was was just having someone who has no stake that I can literally, like, you know, can practically play the poor baby game that they talk about in the ethical slut, you know, where I can right. just be like, and this person does this, and then they did this, and then ooh, I really don't like the way they do that, and be like, oh yeah, gosh, they sound like really slut. You know, they can purely just support you and like your issues with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think I didn't do that enough because I definitely like also ended up like mouthing off to my partner and like saying some really like mean things in the spur of the moment about this person like because of my frustration and it's I don't know it's definitely something where it's like in that particular scenario that I'm thinking of there were some things that were justified and like my dislike of this person but there were also some things that were really not and Mm. but unfortunately both of those came out of my mouth um, multiple times and it's it's like the toothpaste thing, you know. Once you squeeze it out, you can't put it back in. <laughs> like, oh boy, it's you know, it's you out cannot. there. It's out there. Um, yeah, so. and I think also even or maybe especially if you do feel like you have pretty legitimate concerns about your partner's partner and how they're treating them and stuff like that that talking badly about them is probably the least effective thing you could do to actually get your partner to change their mind and still like you at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that what you're actually going to end right. up is a situation where your partner is now resenting you because they're not mm-hmm. feeling good around you. And it's going to invalidate any very real concerns that you might have about this other person. So really like trying to avoid this at all costs is so important. I also, probably around a similar time that that Dedeker was struggling with this. Like I I also struggled with this too. And when I finally made that realization, that really changed things a lot um, in my relationship and also just in how in the future and in the present I've handled that sort of situation Mm -hmm. of just like, well, and often, yeah. Or yeah, I mean, often it's just like a moment of catharsis for you. Whereas, right. like in the big picture, it's not going to be good overall. Yeah, to do that and and you know to be unkind in a way to this decision that your partner is consistently making and still wanting to be with this other person. And it's mm-hmm. like yeah, like you said, invalidating that in a way, and that's shitty. So. Just don't do it. Just be be the bigger person. Be the bigger person here. Yeah. And try to be understanding of the situation. And, you know, it, 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 think about it. Think about, like, why this is happening and maybe hopefully what can be done to remedy the situation. So, yeah. right. all right. And, and with, with all that. of this, yeah, with all of this, the last thing we just wanted to reiterate that it's not about you. Your partner's decision in who else they date is not a reflection of you. It's not about you. It's not your decision to make. Uh, You know what I mean? That this is, if you love this person and want to be with this person, part of what comes with that is trusting them to make their own decisions and having their own life, right? That just, just remember that, like come back to that when you need to, of just like my partner's decisions with what they do with other people are not about me. Hmm. That's a hard yeah. truth to internalize. It's tough. It is tough. But yeah. it's important. <laughs> yeah. 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 With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M-U-L-T-I. We just covered all the ins and outs of scenario A, which is where you don't like your metamorph for some reason. Mm-hmm. So let's you hate him. switch things to scenario B, which is that your metamorph doesn't like you. Or again, Ooh. could be a friend of your partner, their best friend, family member, whoever. But for the purposes of this exercise, we'll just go with their metamorph, but or your metamorph, their partner, doesn't like you for some reason. Um, so... There's all kinds of potential things to um, try on in this scenario and to bear in mind moving forward. It's going to be like some of the same advice that we applied to like when you don't like your metamorph, you know, doing a lot of examination and stuff like that. However, there are some particular things to this scenario that will be helpful. Yeah. So number one, first of all, is do not use your mutual partner as a go-between. And this isn't just so simple as like, don't send messages through them, but your mutual partner is probably going to try to do this by default. Not because they think they're being a go-between, but just they're like, oh, well, you know, they, they, you know, you're talking about the situation and you're saying like, oh, it's frustrating. I don't understand why they wouldn't like me over this thing or that doesn't seem fair. And they will then go, oh, well, I'll, I'll talk to them about that. I'll try to to, you know, mention that to them and see if they can calm down about it or something. Or your partner coming to you and being like, well, well, they told me that like mm. this happened at this party and that then like right. you said this thing. And so that's why I think that they're upset with you or they don't like you. Right. Yeah. So when your partner does this and, and they will, like they will, it's just if they're, when we're going to get to scenario C where you're the person who's in the middle, but um, is don't let them do it. Stop them from doing mm. it. Ask them not to do it. Um, that means, you know, say you're, you're sharing something about how you feel and they go, oh, I'll, I'll try to talk to them about that. Go, no, no, please don't actually. Like if that's something that they and I are going to talk about, like, let us do that. Don't, please don't be the go between. Please don't try to relay messages between us. And the same thing, if it comes back the other way, just be like, I appreciate what you're trying to do. And I know this is important to you, um, but please don't 
end up as the go-between between us. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is huge. This is so huge, which is why it's number one on our list here. Is um, just right from the start. Like, don't. It's going to happen a little bit. It just will. That's how humans work. But don't let that become the norm. Don't let that become a thing you rely on or a thing that you know becomes their full time job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the second one is going to be <clears throat> if you can. Try to talk to your part, your metamor about this, about this issue that might be happening. If you know what the issue is, even if you don't, maybe like try to ask them, hey, what's going on here? And, and this can look a number of ways. So you can maybe ask them to go grab coffee with you, to go for a walk, to even have a Skype call, especially if they're in a different part of the country mm-hmm. from you. Um, and we would say that texting is okay, but it does kind of limit the face-to-face interaction that you have with this person and a lot of the nuance and subtext that can happen from having a face-to-face conversation can be lost. So we don't necessarily recommend that. Um, And also in these moments, practice nonviolent communication. Mm -hmm. I think it can be challenging because people like really want to be liked. Mm -hmm. And if you know that your metamor, which is someone really important to your partner, doesn't like you, this can really suck and really be challenging and put you in a position where you want to know why and where you want to fix it. Um, So if that is the case for you, then you can try to employ these specific things and, and try to talk to them again in a very nonviolent communication way. Can you, can you like Dedeker, Emily, can you talk to us about like what that, what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, I mean, first of all, I will just kind of direct people to just like do your homework on, on NBC. You know, there's plenty Mm -hmm. of resources out there to talk about nonviolent communication, what the different steps are. But I think what I feel, my opinion of what's most important here. When confronting a metamor is to use the first step of NBC, which is the stating an observation rather than an interpretation. So that means it can be like, hey, so I've noticed that the last three times that I've sent you a message on social media, like you haven't responded, for instance. Okay. Um, Or like a significant amount of time passes by with it, like without a response. Um, or it could be like, hey, so I noticed, you know, last week when we were at that event together, I came up to talk to you and like you weren't making eye contact or or you, you know, would move away or and but and like this can be really tricky. But basically the idea is to just purely state what you observed rather than it being, hey, you're ignoring me on social media mm-hmm. or hey, like you were really rude to me at that party or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it's just going to mm-hmm. set you up for just a much better conversation around what the actual behavior is, because yeah. it could be a thing where it's like you were at that party, you saw the way that your metamor behaved and to you, you were like, Oh, they must have some problem with me. And maybe to them, they were like, I had terrible nausea that night, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, and sure. like, totally, yeah. I was trying to avoid all social interaction. Like, you don't know. Um, sometimes yeah. it's that simple. Sometimes it's not that simple. But that's why it is really important to just really dial down to just what your observations of the behavior are. And even thinking about that for yourself is going to help. I think it's also going to be a helpful exercise that will help cut through some of the like, Am I projecting this? Am I like, is this something that actually happened? Am I making assumptions? You know, am I doing this based on what I think my partners told me about what's going on? You know, all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another thing I want to point out about this too is 
I think the way we've been talking about it so far is kind of under the assumption that you and your metamor have already had some communication with each other. But sometimes there hasn't really been that yet. Um, and so if you are kind of hearing maybe through your partner that, that their other partner is really struggling or they're having a problem with you or, you know, you're starting to identify these things, but you haven't talked with them yet, still reaching out to them can be a very good thing, but it might look a little bit different instead of the first message or the first contact from you being like, hey, what's the deal? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that a place to start could just be from a place of, hey, I just wanted to reach out so that you have a way to get in touch with me if you need to, you know, kind of even mm -hmm. making it like, hey, this is also for you. Like, it's not, I'm not trying to control you or manipulate the situation, but just, you know, in case you want to be able to talk to me about anything, if there's someone who's in an existing relationship already, it can also be helpful to just acknowledge the fact that I really respect your relationship with our mutual partner. Um, I think it's great. And I just wanted to make that clear that like, I, you know, have no interest in doing anything against Stop that relationship that. That, yeah. that I respect it. And, um, you know, just want to be sure that that's clear and hopefully you and I can coordinate. So if there's special events or special things that you want to do, we can communicate about that so that we're not both kind of competing for making plans on the same days or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Just I sort like of that. putting those things in place sometimes can just solve it right there. Mm -hmm. Right. Sometimes. So obviously sometimes it won't, but um, that definitely is a helpful thing to put out there. Uh, it's something I'm not very good at like proactively doing, but when other people do it, I'm like, Oh, that's great. Like I really appreciate that that mm -hmm. person did that thing or that my partner did that with my other partner. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's nice to see that and it can be a really helpful thing. Yeah, definitely. Another thing to keep in mind is to just take care if you're going to make the choice to talk to your partner about your metamor not liking you, um, kind of the same, uh, you know, caveats that we gave at the beginning that it's like you really want to avoid trying to make your partner into the middleman or into like the mouthpiece or the interpreter or the go-between. Um, that's why, again, using NBC just to talk about observations to your partner, it could be like, hey, at that event on Friday that we were all at, I noticed that this person was acting this way or I saw that they did this and I was wondering if they mm. were okay or if there was anything going on, you know, things like that. Um, just basically anything that you can do to avoid making your partner into your metamors representative or their defense attorney, <laughs> you know, you don't <laughs> yeah. want to end up in a, yeah, in a conversation where you're like, well, were they feeling this way? And your partner's like, oh, I don't know, maybe they were feeling angry about this thing. And you're like, well, why would they be angry about that thing? And they're like, well, I don't know, maybe it was this. And then like you're having a right. conversation about what was going on with your metamor when your metamor's not even there to actually talk about what's going on inside themselves. So just avoiding yeah. that basically and just really taking care in the way that you choose to talk to your partner about it. I think that's another one that's so easy to slip into that. The same as having them be the go-between is to slip into the partner having to defend you to mm -hmm. each other yep. uh, between the metamors. So yeah, really like be mindful of that. Be so mindful. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, number four on our list for this one is to kill them with kindness is to be apologetic when necessary and be understanding when necessary. Um, this, this one can be challenging when pride gets in the way um, mm. especially once it's gotten to the point of feeling sort of adversarial or mm. feeling like this person's always attacking me. Like, why would I apologize to them if they're the one being a jerk? 
have been there. Yeah, that's that's a hard that's a hard thing to do. Um, <clears throat> but this can also be helpful in um, like if you're requesting something from your metamor. Uh, like for example, I got a message once from one of my metaf- metamors metaphors from one of my metamors. Uh, <laughs> my metaphorical e- metamor. <laughs> where we were trying to to make plans with our mutual partner, and he kind of started a request by sort of being apologetic and like, Hey, like I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry if this messes with your plans, but I actually kind of really wanted to have this time with her. Mm. Uh, you know, like I, but I don't mean that to be anything against you. Um, I don't know. You kind of made these plans, but just starting from that place, I was like, Oh no, like that's, that's totally fine. Like I appreciated that he wasn't just like, Hey, I need this. Um, but mm. still was asking for what he wanted. And I was like, Oh yeah, of course. Like I get that. I, I can change my plans easily. That's no problem. Um, so anyway, that can definitely be helpful of just like approaching it with kindness and gentleness and, and maybe sort of apologeticness and understanding. Yeah. I think that goes a really, really long way. Yeah. People are, are more likely to be like, well, fuck. Okay. Like I can't be a dick to this person because like they are being really understanding of me in this moment. And that, that means something. Yeah. Um, and so in these very tight knit communities of, uh, non-monogamous or, you know, it, just any any type of people that even friend communities that like know each other quite well. Uh, sometimes there are these moments where people get gossiped about, and it's shitty. It's not okay, in my opinion, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you know that people are out there gossiping about you, that you're a high. Yeah, exactly. Or in, I mean, anyone, but specifically in this scenario, yeah, that your metamor is gossiping about you. Try to take the high road and don't choose to do the same thing to them. Don't try to gossip about them back to the rest of your community or people who might be on your side about this particular thing, because that's just going to breed intolerance and unkindness towards one another. So, yeah, take the high road, absolutely, in this scenario. And honestly, like, it'll probably make you look better in this scenario because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you're not the one who's choosing to do that. Yeah, it's just a lot more of, like, like obfuscating the scenario and, like, creating yeah. more diversions away from there being direct communication between the two of you. Um, For sure. Yeah. 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 It's shitty to do all around. Right. And now, I mean, we've definitely seen a lot of these scenarios where it's, like, maybe your metamor is straight up like being hostile toward you or mm-hmm. or saying hurtful things to you or it's just really not a pleasant interaction or or a harmful interaction if anything and it is okay to limit your interactions with your metamor you know it is okay to have boundaries around how much you will talk to this person or not talk to this person it is okay to have boundaries around not going to the same events as this person. Um, if it's based in the fact that it's like in order for you to protect yourself from this person's harm, you know, that's the boundary that you need to have in place. Um, but it is okay. Again, like we will reiterate that it's like you're under no obligation to have any particular type of relationship with your metamor or particular interaction or particular communication. And especially in this scenario where if there's some kind of aggression or hostility or you feel like, you're receiving harm from your metamor, then yes, it is totally mm-hmm. okay to have personal boundaries. Um, again, we will forward you to our episode on the basics of boundaries to remember that like boundaries are going to be placed on yourself. It's not going to be about you policing how much your partner does or doesn't get to hang out with this particular person, um, mm-hmm. but just how uh, your own behavior is concerned. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, and kind of our last point as before is remember at the end of the day, it's their issue and not yours. 
that mm-hmm. if your metamor has this this problem with you for whatever reason, that's their issue to deal with. And kind of keeping in mind from scenario A, what we've talked about, that they're probably going through all of those things and having to explore those things or maybe not exploring them, but ideally they will, um, that, that those are all factors going on and that so much more of it's about them and not about you. And this one can be hard. And I think there's two parts to this. There's one is just how you feel about yourself being like, yeah. it, it can be easy. I know I've experienced falling into this like, well, what's wrong with me hmm. that this person dislikes me so much, especially if this mm-hmm. has happened to you more than once. It's like, well, what's wrong with me? And while I think maybe there's sometimes value in that question, it is important to remember. And I appreciate the two of you for reminding me of this, of being like, it is their issue, not yours. Yeah. Um, and then on the other hand is remembering that can help you avoid falling into the trap of just doing the same thing back to them. Mm. Right. And this one is big, right. Of not feeling like, yeah, Oh, it's well, like a cyclical thing. It's like Emily mentioned yeah. with the gossip, like don't gossip back about them At the same time. If they're trash talking you to your shared partner, don't do the same to them. You could express that that is hurtful to you or even better, maybe express like, Hey, I'd pr- appreciate if you didn't try to be the go between and send those messages mm-hmm. to me. Like that's something mm-hmm. that you and that person need to work out that's not, you know, that's not my thing. If they want to talk to me directly, they can. Um, but just do not fall into the trap of making it a you against them because that's not going to work out better for you mm-hmm. in any way. There's no scenario where that's a better outcome for you. So just don't. Yeah. Uh, and that can be really hard, but that's one of probably the most valuable lessons I've learned. It's like, don't fall into the trap of letting it be you against them. Let right. it be them against themselves, essentially. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. All right, and now we're moving on to scenario C, which is where you are the person in the middle, where both of your partners are having trouble getting along, or one doesn't like the other, right? And you are stuck in the middle of this. Uh, This is a scenario, like we've said, we've all been in all of these different roles at different times, and we hear about this a lot, and it can be very stressful. It can be very difficult. Hopefully, each of your partners will be able to listen to this episode, maybe (laughs) recommend this episode to them, because them doing their parts in A and B are going to help you out a lot and is going to help themselves out a lot. And uh, so with that, we just wanted to kind of quickly go through this. A lot of it's going to be similar, just kind of the opposite side of things we've already covered, Um, but things to keep in mind for yourself as well as some things you can do. Some of these come from us and some are from Franklin Vo and Eve Rickert, uh, where they've also written about some of these things. Yeah. Let's do it. So initially... Uh, listen and support both of your partners for sure. Mm-hmm. Be there for them in as best a way as you can. That again doesn't mean that you need to bow- badmouth the other partner mm-hmm. to each of them, yeah. but simply just like be a listening ear and you know employ understanding to both of them. Yeah. Because right. uh, understandably, it might be difficult in both scenarios. Yeah, and now a part of that listening still needs to have boundaries in it. Like, it doesn't mean that you're okay to just sit there and listen to one of your partners just trash talk the other partner or insult them or call them names or whatever. Um, So it is okay to enforce clear boundaries around the fact that, like, you won't listen to that particular type of talk or that you will speak Mm -hmm. up and be like, hey, actually, I don't think that you should be telling me this or saying this to me or... I'm not going to continue this conversation if it's going to be just like insulting this particular person. Um, it is okay to have boundaries like that because again, it puts you in a really 
crappy scenario of wanting to be supportive but it's at the same time you probably don't want to back up your partner on like yeah it totally is like a snot weasel or whatever insult they've just leveled us i didn't want to be too profane give me a break Um, you know so but that is up to you to have those boundaries in place if your partner isn't uh what uh basically isn't uh uh uh, being conservative in the way that they're talking about uh, Mm. their metamorph Right, like that they're not being respectful yes. to, to them and to you in, in the way that they're communicating their feelings. Yes. That you can say, again, the boundary is, I'm not going to be part of this conversation. The boundary is not, I'm putting a boundary on you. Don't say those yeah, things. That's right. an important distinction we always need yeah. to make. Yeah, um, totally. All right, the, the next one here um, is to not be the go-between. Don't try to fix things for them. Mm-hmm. So that's not just like don't be the go-between in terms of relaying messages, which we've already said is not good. Don't try to translate for each other or figure each of them out for them. Um, but also like this isn't your job to fix, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can offer some support in that, but ultimately this is their issue to fix either about themselves or with each other. Um, and maybe doing some things to facilitate that could help. But still, at the end of the day, like this isn't your job to fix. This isn't your responsibility to fix. It's not your job to to parent these people and make them get along like, you know, they're your children who are mm-hmm. fighting with each other. Totally. Yeah. And also along with that, I, Eve Rickert talked about how you should not be blaming, shaming, or pressuring each of your partners to figure out this thing out just for your sake. And that is really important and an interesting thing to bring up because I think that one could easily be like, fuck both of you. Like this is awful for me. Mm. Like, can you please just like figure it out? Because Mm. it's really, really challenging for me to be in the middle of this. And I just want to express my dissenting opinion about this one. (laughs) I know is that it's, it's hard. I think that, that obviously like, shaming and blaming isn't a great way to go about this. However, I do think there can be some value Mm -hmm. to being like, uh, to expressing to your partners, hey, you talking badly about this person, you hating this person, you throwing a fit every time I hang out with this person, those things hurt me. They don't hurt this other person. They hurt me. I think there is value to that and Mm -hmm. to kind of being like, dude, like, you're in a relationship with me, not this other mm-hmm. person. You need to fucking get over this because this is hurting me. This sucks. Right. Yeah. And, and ultimately having those boundaries for yourself of like, well, okay, I don't want to be in a relationship where I'm being made to feel this way. Um, so I, I do feel like I on the other hand, there a is a specific boundary rather than just being like, I would need you to figure it out and be friends with this person because it will benefit me and my relationship with both of you ultimately. Like, there may be a scenario in which you're not going to be able to figure it out, and you can compartmentalize both of those relationships to a degree, and it's not going to be harmful to any of you. But I will say that I liked the way that Emily phrased it better than saying you need to fucking get over this. I understand your sentiment behind it, I understand your sentiment behind it, but I don't think that's going to be very well received. Well, of course, sure. I think what what Emily brought up, though, that I think is important is that it's more about, I need you to figure this out in a way that makes you not treat me badly because mm-hmm. of it and not cause trouble in our relationship because of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't want, I, I would definitely agree, like, don't 
shame or say like you have to get along with this person or you have sure. to like this person or mm-hmm. to try to coerce them into some kind of relationship that they don't want i, I think that's definitely worth pointing out um but just I-, I think maybe keeping the focus more on like i need you to at least get enough of a grip to be able to maintain our relationship mm-hmm. uh, that i do mm-hmm. think there is some value in that because i think sometimes people don't realize it they're so focused on how much they don't like this other person or how much they think this other person is the cause of these problems that they mm. don't realize how much they're hurting you in the process of disliking that person. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that's true. And I think just another reminder is that if you find yourself caught in this scenario, like be compassionate to yourself. Like it is okay to give yourself some gentleness and some love and some compassion because I think that it is important that you're able to take ownership of the things that you may have done that maybe contributed to this scenario because you know because mm-hmm. sometimes it, it yeah. is sometimes it's like oh maybe like I lied to this person or I really didn't respect this person's feelings and and then that just kind of like added fuel to the fire essentially of what's going on between mm-hmm. my two partners so it is yeah. okay to like take ownership of the things that you have done but you also don't need to take full responsibility for the entire scenario because these are two separate people who are functioning separately from you um yeah and that is okay for there to be that sense of separation in that like to a certain extent this is going to be their thing to work out as well yeah yeah absolutely and also, at the end of the day, realize that these two people are adults, and therefore it is ultimately up to them to decide if they want to mend things or not, mm-hmm. and they may not want to. They may be okay with sticking in this place of like resentment and anger, or it may just be that that case for a while, for a number of years even, um, and, and it is possible for change to occur, but it may take time, and that's something to be aware of as well, like... It may be challenging in those moments. And if if you want to stay with these two people, then, you know, the, in some understanding there is perhaps needed yeah. in those moments. Or the mending of it may look like them deciding, like, we can't have any kind of connection with each other. Like, we can't. Sure. We just yeah. can't. Like, that's just what we've decided. It's like, we're both going to have boundaries around, like, we're, we can't be friends. Like, we can't hang out with each other. And that is sad and it's not necessarily ideal however like if that's what fixes the scenario like that is something that's worthy of respect also of two people having boundaries it means that you have to figure out some things logistically you know you still have to advocate for your own needs as the partner in the middle of you know what is that you need from each relationship but sometimes that happens you know Mm -hmm. that is their decision Yeah. And related to all of that and connected to all this is it's important to take care of yourself and to prioritize your own mental health and your well-being. That it's okay to take time away for yourself to recalibrate and connect to what it is you actually want. Like, why are you in these relationships in the first place? It's easy to get lost in just all I'm doing is damage control. Mm -hmm. All I'm doing is trying to make everyone else happy. And I'm not actually enjoying these relationships at all. That it is worth it to take that time to really figure that out for yourself and to, you know, to find a way to be like, how can I actually enjoy these relationships? What boundaries do I need for that? How do I need to be taking care of myself? Mm -hmm. Um, But just, just remember that, like take care of yourself. Your purpose in this relationship isn't just to run around trying to appease everyone else. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to end things out on, I just have to, you know, we have to cover this because 
it comes up in the patron group. It's always a question that's asked and it's, you know, okay, so, but what if I have a problem with my metamor because I think my metamor is abusing my partner in some way, like either physically abusive, emotionally abusive, verbally abusive, whatever. And whether like, maybe it's based on, I just think that that's the case or the behavior that my partner displays seems to be that that case. Or maybe my partner has straight up told me that this person is abusive, you know, any number of scenarios. So these kind of fall on a spectrum. I feel like the darker side of it tends to be like, oh, well, I just, I think that this person is abusive, so it's okay for me to dislike them. It's maybe not necessarily based on evidence, not necessarily based on what's actually going on. It's just that like, maybe I've heard some negative stories and I've kind of, I've kind of continued the story in my head that this person is abusive or manipulative. So that means it's okay for me to dislike my metamor and not have to do anything to like fix the relationship. Mm. That's kind of like the darker, more dysfunctional side of it. The less dark side of it, it's not like the light side, yeah. but like the less dark side of it that I've seen <laughs> is more of that of like, I know that this person's abusive or like my partner has told me that this person is abusive, but I feel so powerless to do anything because they're still with this person. Um, hmm. And in those scenarios, again, like we were saying at the beginning, it's really a lot of the same advice as if you suspect that a friend or any loved one is in an abusive relationship. Um it's not an ideal scenario to be in because it can feel very helpless, but it doesn't mean that there's nothing that you can do. Um, There are things like, you know, you can speak up, you can express concern for their safety without judgment. You know, it doesn't have to be a judgment of them staying in the relationship or being with this person, but it is okay to speak up and express that you are concerned about them and about what's going on in the relationship. Um, And bear in mind that direct intervention i know that i think when we know that someone's in an abusive relationship it's really easy to feel like okay we got to sweep in and save them you know we're going to come in in the night and like bundle them up and whisk them away to their new life and everything's going to be okay we got to rescue them but the thing is that unfortunately direct intervention like that can often make the situation more dangerous but not only Mm. for you trying to do the rescuing but also for your partner who's potentially being abused like it can really cause make things really, really a lot worse and potentially dangerous. And so it's better to go at it kind of in a more gentle way. It is okay to ask them if they're open to certain things, such as like, are you open to reaching out to an abuse hotline? Or how would you feel about making a report to the police? Or do you think that finding some professional help here would be helpful? Can I help you in doing that? And again, asking is okay, but pushing someone into something. So as in like pushing your partner into like, you got to leave this person or you need to get help or you need to call this person. Like, um, unfortunately, from the perspective of the person in the middle here, it's likely to feel more like just more abuse and control rather than you're trying to help me. It's going to be more likely to feel like, uh, this is like another scenario where someone else is kind of like trying to dictate what I do or tell me what to do. And it's probably not going to feel good. Um, So again, if it is a scenario where it seems like there's some abuse happening, unfortunately, like you can't directly intervene, but you can express your concern. You can speak up. You can advocate for your partner and kind of try to create a container and a context for them that feels as safe as possible for them to make the decisions to leave or to get help and so on and so forth. Yeah. So just to bring us back around sort of the key takeaways from all of this is that it's often their issue and not yours Mm -hmm. and that there's things that you can do to sort of keep your own side of the street clean uh, is an expression that Dedeker likes to use. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I'm going to take care of my side of the street. Um, For sure. And 
there's a lot of good stuff there. I hope you I hope you found this helpful that you can go back through and look at these things and see which ones might I be able to do a better job of, or mm-hmm. what things could I stop doing that I'm doing, or start doing that I'm not. Um, but then keep in mind at the end of the day uh, that you can't control other people, that you can't just magically change the way other people think. Uh, We want to thank you all for going on this journey with us today and talking about all of these ways in which uh, metamors may or may not like you, or you may be (laughs) stuck in the middle of all of that. Uh, And we want to hear from you. um, What has happened in these scenarios? How have you dealt with these scenarios? Have you had any issues with it? Have you just like broken up with people over mm-hmm. it? Have you um, had great relationships later on with metamors that initially you had shitty relationships with? We want to hear it all. And the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread on our private Facebook or discourse forums. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Leave us a voicemail at 678-M-U-L-T-I-0-5. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. Our full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.